Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. It's not just another episode, it's a, it's a new season for us as well. And uh, great to have you guys back here for the start of Season 9. Uh, we were just looking at, uh, at the previous season, Season 8. It was a little bit short. It was our Equip series, so just three episodes. This one's going to be nine weeks, as far as I can tell, just by, based on our content. So we're, we're happy to be back. And just wanted to let you guys know, we're, we're happy that you guys are listening. I just looked at our numbers, too. Um, you know, from Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's cool. We've got uh, over 25,000 downloads now. So uh, just a lot of people that are listening, you guys are sharing and, and appreciate that. Got Pastor Eric and Pastor Trevor with me here, which seems to be the new norm for the for the podcast. You said this is ninth, ninth season, is that right? Ninth season, Man, yeah. that, that puts us in the ballpark with Seinfeld yeah. and the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, wow. Maybe we should go out on top, I guess. Oh, I don't man. know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. No, it's good to be back. And um, if you're wondering, well, where have you been? Uh, we've been on the front lines, uh, leading our church forward and serving people and strategizing and planning and creating vision and talking about the future. And um, we're finally into some content that makes for a great podcast season, get people opening up their Bibles, um, learning from the Bible, opening the Bible so that we can open our lives uh, to other people. And so that's where we're at as a church. We had a great holiday season. Christmas mm-hmm. Eve was fantastic. So many, so many people were here. Um, and then January, we kicked off with a Gritty Grace series, which um, was very helpful uh, for people moving forward mm-hmm. um, to understand a biblical uh, understanding of grace. And so now here we are, uh, just started a brand new series last Sunday, studying through the Gospel of Matthew. And um, Adam... Let's just, why don't you just celebrate with the listeners that this was your idea, this series. What, what, oh, yeah. People who uh, who heard me preach in South Jordan got a kick out of that. <laughs> One guy told me on the way out of South Jordan, because I made the joke, and I said Trevor didn't tell Eric that it was my idea. He said, oh, next time I see Trevor, I'm going to say, what the heck, man? Like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell people that if it I, was if I could just If I could just clarify... I never claimed that the series was my idea. Uh, and let's just say, man. about 18 months ago, I had this idea to do a series <laughs> called Jesus Culture, um, where really the kingdom of God is a Jesus culture. It's a culture where people are living out and behaving yep. these certain values. And that's a, kind of a synonym for the kingdom of God, a Jesus culture. That would be another way to talk about it. So I had that in my series planning notes. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this is just... You know, God was kind of working so, in all of our lives so it was in this Eric's way. Idea, is it Adam's idea? It was not. It wasn't my idea. It, was not it is the team's <laughs> idea. It is the team's idea. In fact, I just looked yeah. back at the first drafts for the graphics for the series, and it said Jesus culture, a kingdom is like. And oh, we so we out. do know whose idea oh. was. You said you suggested <laughs> in the drafts. Yeah, there we go. Well, there's a band called, or a, yeah, there's a worship band called Jesus Culture, and uh, you know we didn't want to get in the way of that, so we we went a different route. Um, with this, uh, this theme. And, and just, you know, for the listener, you might find this interesting. Um, when it comes to mapping out a series um, or studying through a book, we're often looking for uh, themes that are repeated, um, images that are repeated, or uh, phrases that really stand out in a piece of content from the Bible. And so the kingdom is like is definitely one of those phrases. And we're going to see that as we go through this series together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before we jump into it, I was just thinking about this too. You had mentioned that we just came off of a big 
season with Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, that was the highest attended weekend we ever had in our history. Yeah. Right? Yeah, really. it was. It was. There were uh, 6,700 people across all of our locations, which was very, very cool. And, yeah. You know, um, I like to celebrate that. You know, we are not um, trying to be the biggest church around, um, but we want to reach as many people as possible mm-hmm. who are around. Mm-hmm. And so both of those things matter. We try to we try to hold those things in healthy balance where it's not about the numbers. Um, it's about people, but every number represents a name and is a person. And so we want to balance both those things. And then, and then mm-hmm. again, in January, we saw the um, largest attendance ever on just a normal no. Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, so just, yeah, it's just a great season ministry right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do we go from here, guys, with season nine? I mean, we're, we're talking about Matthew, the kingdom is like a Jesus culture, all these kinds of things. So yeah, absolutely. where do we go from here? Yeah, well, I think we could start with um, what the gospel of Matthew is all about and why we chose that. And um, the reason that we chose that is as a group of people, as a church, a body of Christ, we are trying to live out what Jesus taught. And what Jesus taught is the kingdom. What Jesus brought is the kingdom and he is the king. And so I think in so many ways to be a Jesus follower, you need to understand the kingdom. You need to understand the announcement of the king. And I think kingdom language um, can be a little confusing and a little unclear, at least for a lot of my mm-hmm. my life with Jesus. It wasn't a word I used a lot. Um because the word that gets used a lot is the word salvation. And so yeah. you, you tend to see a lot of churches um, talking about salvation, what does it mean to be saved, all these things that apply to soteriology, um, the doctrine of salvation. And the kingdom, because I think people are like, I don't know what to do with this <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit, gets uh, gets uh, placed um, on the back burner, takes a back seat sometimes to salvation. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We could trace how evangelism has been done in the last 50 to 100 years in our culture, and we could talk about that. Um, if Mike Bell were here on the podcast today, he'd be jumping for joy because this kingdom thing he has for a long time said is a missing piece in how people approach um, God and follow him today. And so we're able um, to now talk about it. And, and I think that's very, very important. And the more I've reflected on kingdom and the more I've studied for this series, the more I'm realizing that um, the kingdom is uh, Jesus's values, kingdom principles lived out, and that leads to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. So salvation really is the open door into life with the king, into his kingdom. You kind of walk through the pearly gates, so to speak, but those aren't the gates to get into heaven. They're the pearly gates where you walk in to live with the king. And I think that kingdom announcement in Matthew is so clear and so compelling. We want our people to see that. And then more than that, we want to join him in building the kingdom here. And we do that when we live out uh, a life of love. We do that when we uh, uphold justice. We do that when we care for the least of these, the people among us. And and we see what that kingdom is like all through Matthew. And so when we live out what the kingdom is like, we build the kingdom with the king. And I think that's really compelling. Um, you know, we we don't just preach salvation. Great, I'm saved. Now I sit in the pews for the rest of my life and wait to go to heaven. That's not the gospel. Um, building mm-hmm. the kingdom is uh, the good news of the gospel as well. And so we want to unpack that. And Matthew gives us, I think, the clearest, probably, I think, the clearest uh, um, uh, picture of what the kingdom is like. 
Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about um, kind of how we design sermon series and put those together. And I think with Matthew, um, it's kind of an interesting design that with this series, we're focusing in particular on the parables that Jesus taught within the book of Matthew that Matthew recorded for us. Um, And there's sort of an interesting intersection between two themes that are central to Matthew's book that we see coming to life in the parables themselves. That Matthew, in his book, he's really trying to emphasize two different things about Jesus. On the one hand, that he is the long-awaited messianic king, Mm -hmm. um, coming from the promise that God made to David back in 2 Samuel 7, that one of his descendants would reign upon the throne for all of eternity, that Jesus is that uh, king that they've been waiting for. And on the other hand, he is the new Moses, that if you read through the book, you see that there's five blocks of teaching that Jesus delivers throughout the book. Those correspond to the first five books uh, of the Bible that are attributed to Moses, that Moses himself wrote. Mm. And uh, so with that, Jesus is the new Moses who's delivering new authoritative teaching. Mm. And in the parables, we see that because they are authoritative teaching that are about the kingdom specifically of which he himself is the king, the king that they have been waiting for, the king who extends the invitation to each and every one of us to come and join his kingdom. Yeah, I, I so appreciate that. And the reason Matthew needs to do that is because he needs to give evidence um, and articulate why Jesus is king. And they would have resonated with that approach. I think for the modern day listener, they're like, I don't need to think of Jesus in a connection to Moses, do I? How does that move the needle forward as seeing Jesus as king? And I understand that. But for a first century audience, that would have been an aha moment. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, and we made a big point of this on Sunday, we don't live in a monarchy. We don't live in a kingdom with a king. And so it's a little bit foreign. It's a little bit abstract. And if Matthew were writing today, I've been thinking, and maybe you guys can help me with this, how would he have presented the king for us? And uh, I think that's an interesting uh, type of thing. What's so valuable to Western culture right. mm-hmm. that we would have needed to connect the dots to Jesus as king by seeing him as the better blank? And so like in the Gospel of John, he talks about the Logos, the organizing principle of the universe, because the Greek thinker saw that thing as authority. Mm-hmm. What does our Western world, world see as authority? And therefore, that would move us to see Jesus as king. And, um, you know, in some ways, love has become that thing. Yeah. And so when when you see churches highlight Jesus is this perfect picture of love, it's to say the thing you uphold as authoritative already, Jesus is and more. Yep, yep. Or power Mm -hmm. or a peace. And so you see people or you see churches preach on that those topics because those are the things that are most important and authoritative and we want you to see that Jesus is that and so much more. And so I think helping the listener see that Matthew is doing that with Moses is brilliant and beautiful because it, it, it helps us um, see, okay, that culture needed to hear it like this. We need to hear it like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's a great way to think about it. I think it's kind of a, it's, I'm kind of racking my brain to think about in Western culture, what, Uh, maybe the political power would be. Mm -hmm. There's one side of it. And then you talked about the Logos, which was the Greek philosophy per se. You know, I think on that side of it, if we were to go relate to the Greeks, it could be like, it sounds funny, but like science. Like I think in Western culture, science is is a God of sorts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, from a political perspective, I'm not sure (laughs) what that would be, honestly. For sure. And I don't want to throw out ideas off the cuff and get myself (laughs) in trouble here. Um, So we won't, but uh, I think... It's important to consider why did Matthew structure in this way to draw the 
dots back to Moses. Well, because in many ways, Moses was very, he wasn't king for them, but he was the leader who had prepared them for a way of life in the kingdom. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think one could be justice, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. um, I think broadly, societally, you can see that um, that there are certain people who feel very strongly about justice, desire justice in a variety of different ways. And yet when justice becomes your God, um, the thing that is your ultimate authority, you lose any opportunity to actually extend grace or forgiveness to anyone. And, and even the grounding of justice begins to lose itself, whereas mm-hmm. Jesus gives us a justice that you know, offers grace, offers forgiveness, and uh, at the same time still takes it very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't think, you know, I don't think the idea of kingdom is lost in our culture in the sense of there are values we'd love to have people rallied around. Right. So, you know, you think of Woodstock. You guys ever watch those old Woodstock videos? Did you watch the new one with, uh, it was on Netflix about 99? Was it 99? Yeah. Well, I've watched the Green Day show where oh, they're throwing one, yeah. mud just because I love Green Day. Yeah. It was the 90s. Yeah. That <laughs> but, one. But what particular. you see in those movements um, and what you see in, you know, whatever you want to call that, the hippie movement, I'm sure there's an academic name for that, <laughs> uh, the sexual revolution, whatever the Woodstock yeah. thing was, mm-hmm. um, I think what you see is a lot of people buying into a certain type of culture and they value it. They yeah. see that culture is best for the world, peace and love and acceptance. Yep. And so they say, let's live that out. So you have a lot of people living that out. And I think what we're trying to do with the kingdom is like is to say, if Jesus truly is king and he's announcing what his kingdom is like, we want to live that out. Yeah. And so we're not, you know, creating a new Woodstock. We're not, you know, becoming hippies, but the kingdom is a countercultural movement to our mm-hmm. current culture today. Mm-hmm. And we want to live out that kingdom. And so I think it's really compelling for people who have been like, so it's just Jesus saves me, my sins are gone, and I go up to heaven someday. Man, that doesn't seem like a compelling life. That's not the whole picture. Right. The whole right. picture is that we then go and build the kingdom with the king. And that's that leads to wells in Africa. It leads to foster yep. care. It leads to rescuing people out of polygamy. Mm-hmm. Yep. It leads to fair wages for men and women. And it mm-hmm. leads to caring for the elderly. It leads to all of this. And yep. I think that for a lot of people, that's a compelling thing to live for. And Jesus brought that. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think, you know, at different times in, in Christendom have been lost. I think maybe even uh, Christianity in the 90s, even 80s, 90s, maybe. Um, it seems that there was a culture around Christianity is all 100% about are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Mm-hmm. It yeah. began and an- ended with that. Yep. Um, but yet the kingdom extends to here on earth now and then also in the future. Yeah, so that truncated gospel of either heaven or hell is just not the whole picture. Right, right. And if that's what you grew up with and you're not sure Christianity is for you, I don't blame you one bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live in that. Well, I got this insurance card in my back pocket for the day that I take my last breath and I'm just going to kind of wait and go to church until that happens. Mm-hmm. No, that's not that's not what this is about. Right. And, um, yep. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful yeah. for that. And and let's be honest uh, and, be, and be fair. The reason that that became such a big deal in the 80s and 90s, there's probably a lot of reasons, but one is that there was a shift away from that. And it was all just about mm. the social gospel. Correct. It was a liberal theology around just build and you're fine. Mm-hmm. I do good things. Yeah. I'm doing the kingdom things. And I don't need to trust Jesus and that mm. will lead to my salvation. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. So, yep. so you do need both. And, um, yeah. uh, and, and salvation, frankly, uh, 
needs to come first. You've got to get the order right in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that is the open door into the kingdom um, because salvation is bowing the knee to the king. Mm-hmm. Hard to live out kingdom values if you're not submitted to the one on the throne. And that's yeah. important to get to get right. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think at SMCC, if you were to come for five years, you would hear us talk a lot more about salvation in some form or fashion than kingdom. And that's because in this culture, the air can happen there so quickly. Mm-hmm. But we want to add to that with this Matthew series. And so I've, I, frankly, in the lobby, I've been asked a question or at coffee. I've been asked a question, hey, what about the kingdom? You know, is this just a salvation only type of place? I've been asked that question often. So I'm really glad to add this and, and do this series. Yeah. And even a, a little bit of a shameless plug. One of the things that we do at SMCC is we have ministry partners, partners that are outside of our walls. Mm-hmm. And you have some, just the one that comes off the top of my head because their work is so integral to where we live, but there's ministry partners like Holding Out Help. They're doing kingdom work. Absolutely. There are families yeah. and children and women who have been hurt and abused, and what would kingdom work do? It mm-hmm. says, well, let's provide you with opportunities to, to come mm-hmm. out of that. Like, that's a, that's a cool idea. Yeah, and and yeah. Um, when, how should I say this? Um, I'm on, Well, I'm on the board of HOH, so I know a you lot are, about yeah. what's going on. When the enemy attacks the citizens of the kingdom, that kingdom needs to strike back. And, it, and, and that creates tension. So you do have these kingdoms at odds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see that in um, you know, macro ways and, and micro, microcosms of that in Utah, where you have these opposing kingdoms mm-hmm. duking it out. And uh, for Jesus followers on you know, a rescue mission, you're, you're in a battle um, as these kingdoms oppose one another. And, and the New Testament talks about that. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. You, you, you see that. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. you see those, those kingdoms at war. You see it in the book of Revelation as well. And so the kingdom thing needs to be a clear um, understanding in our minds if we're going to make sense of all that the Bible says. Mm-hmm. about following Jesus. And so Matthew is the best place to go, I think, to get that. And uh, Matthew 13 is where it kind of starts. So we are going to skip over the first sections of Matthew because we're studying the kingdom specifically. Mm-hmm. And then Matthew 13 begins with preparing people to hear the announcement of the kingdom, the announcements of the king. Um, and so that was the passage that we studied on Sunday. But first, Trevor, who is Matthew? Why did he write in this way? Why did it matter to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew um, is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, actually. He was, uh, he's got two names, Levi is the other one, Matthew or Levi. You read about him in the the book of Matthew itself. Um, You see him in the other gospels as well, um, the other biographies of Jesus. But yeah, he was a tax collector and uh, Jesus invited him to follow him, to trust in him. And the very first thing that he does is he throws a huge party and he invites all of his friends to come hang out with Jesus because he wants them to interact with him, to uh, get to know him, to have the same opportunity to trust in him that he has taken. So the people at the party, what type of people do you think they were? you think they were Jewish? you think they were pagans? What do you think? That's a good question. Who did he invite? Because as a tax collector... He understood tensions between kingdoms because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's Jewish and yet working for the Romans, yeah. collecting, did I say that right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, collecting taxes from his people, you know, skimming some off the top for himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's got his own kingdom he's got, that, he's, that he's working <laughs> on building. He, he knows the Jewish people and their kingdom, and, yeah. he, knows, and he knows the, the, the Roman ideas of kingdom. And so it, it, I've never thought about this before. 
it seems like the perfect person for God to use to announce the arrival of a new kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I just see that, you know, just like the apostle Paul was like the perfect person to announce the gospel um, to Jews and Gentiles, but specifically he went to the Gentiles, right? No Jews. Did I say that wrong? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one? <laughs> Gentiles. Okay, Paul yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, he always went to the Jewish people first because he go. loved them, but yeah. far more effective with the Gentiles. There you go. Yeah. So just as <laughs> God in his you know, sovereignty saw Paul as a, as, a, as a wonderful person to lead out in this way, I think Matthew kind of fits that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, so Matthew 13, that's where we're, we're going to begin. And um, uh, it's the parable of the soils, which is a classic, classic parable. Why parables? If someone missed the message um, mm. on Sunday, Trevor, why did Jesus teach in parables? Yeah, it's a really, uh, well, on the one hand, you know, he's a first century man living in the Jewish uh, Jewish uh, society. And so he's teaching in forms and styles that are familiar to other Jewish rabbis, Jewish teachers, and parables were that. So when he begins using parables, no one's like, what is this form? They're asking, why are you using this form? So they're familiar with it. They just mm. don't understand why and uh, the he goes on to explain um, starting kind of verse 10 11 12 and, and even further on in that section in between the when he tells the story and explains it Jesus explains that he's using the parables really in order to conceal truth or reveal truth that parables are this really interesting form of teaching that uh, places the ball in the court of the listener. Mm. And so whether the parable reveals or conceals truth is entirely dependent on how the listener responds. Yeah. If they're not actually interested in understanding and trusting Jesus, if that's not something that they're uh, even curious about, then they're just going to say this story doesn't make sense and reject it and walk away and talk about this crazy rabbi, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if they're actually curious, if they're considering Jesus, if they're really actually investigating whether or not he's worth trusting, whether or not he's worth following, they're going to follow up and ask more questions, which is exactly what the disciples do in the yeah. passage. That's great. So what are some hermeneutical best practices? What are some best practices for reading a parable? for our listeners today. I mean, what are some things we should do, not do? Um, what are some dangers that can exist when it comes to reading and interpreting and applying the parables? Yeah. I'd say there's been examples in the past of taking a little bit too much creative license with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like allegorizing them and trying to read some special spiritual meaning into every single detail, every single part of it. Yeah. And, uh, there's some danger there hermeneutically. It's not how it's meant to be. Right? Yeah. Someone came to me in the lobby here after first service here in Draper and asked me about that specifically. How do we know when we've done that? Um, how do we not do that um, and fall into dangerous territory of allegorizing? <clears throat> and so mm-hmm. we started to talk about what allegory allegory is, where where every part can be made to represent something else. It seems like the um, the creative license exists in the reader. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a parable, the creativity exists in the speaker um, and the author of the parable. So the author gives us permission for how far to take a point, and then we can take it no further. Yeah. So we submit ourselves to what the author was saying or the speaker was saying. We don't get to read into it. Now, in churches today, and this is a major problem in preaching, I see it a lot, is preachers will say, they'll take a story like David and Goliath and say, well, you know what? You have a giant in your life. What's your giant? Do you have any stones in your life that you can throw? Well, now name your stones and throw them. And it's like when when the creative license exists in the hearer to name those things and begin to do it, we've turned the story into an allegory. It can mean more than it was meant. That's not what we should do with the Bible. Mm-hmm. The 
Bible can never say something that the Bible never said. It can never mean something it never meant. And so we let the parable speak. We go as far as the parable gives us permission to go based upon the contextual clues in the passage. And so in this passage, you know, Jesus does say this represents this, this represents this, and this represents that. That's Mm -hmm. him explaining the parable. We can do that. There's other parables where he doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. And they're actually more difficult to preach because you don't want them to say more than the author wanted them to say. Yeah. So a parable typically has one meaning, probably multiple multiple applications. Um, but knowing the difference between allegory and parable is important. Is there any yeah. other thoughts you guys have on understanding the differences between allegory and parable? Yeah, I mean, I think at least in this parable that we see here, and in other ones too, but in this one particular in chapter 13, it's nice that Jesus gives the parable. There's a little bit of time in between. And mm-hmm. then at the end it says, in summary, basically he says, in summary, this mm-hmm. is what it means. So like yeah. you do get a little bit from Jesus of like, let me make sure I'm clear. I said this story. This is what I mean. Yep. So that's helpful. Yeah. In that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. that's good. I'd say, yeah, in the parables that he interprets, um, that he gives us the explanation to go any further than that doesn't make sense because he told us what it means. Right. Um, the other ones that he doesn't explain, typically there is a line either at the beginning or the end or sometimes both that does provide the context that helps us to interpret it. So for example, uh, through the series, we're looking at eight other parables that he teaches. Every single one of them opens with the line, the kingdom of heaven is like. So any interpretation that has nothing to do with the kingdom cannot be what it means. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. I think with Matthew 13, even if Jesus didn't give the explanation, do you think we would have landed at the correct explanation? I think so. Just from re- just from reading it, he kind of says almost the same thing over again, but just adds some details to it. Sure. So, mm-hmm. so sort of, yes, maybe. And, I don't and, know. I, and I, think, I think one of the most important lines that would get us across the finish line into correct interpretation is verse nine, whoever has ears, let him hear. So whatever's happening here, he's reflecting people who are unable to hear and those who can. Mm-hmm. And that line alone seems to be a massive contextual clue, um, mm-hmm. l- you know, literary clue of uh, it was spoken at the time. So a communicative clue to let us know what this is really yeah. uh, all about. It's, it's, n- it's information and hearing. Yeah, it's not an agricultural lesson. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I, I made the joke, yeah, my backyard's very rocky, and so I need to get some good soil if I want anything to grow. It, you, it yeah, is a- agricultural. You can pick that up along the way. <laughs> that sounds like allegory, actually. <laughs> um, but before we get to the actual soils, let's do a little background in in, in in kingdom for just a little bit. So when Jesus, because earlier in Matthew 4, he says the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is near, it's mm-hmm. now, it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, what is God's kingdom, guys? Like, how would you define that um, we've said we've said it's a Jesus culture, which I think is a helpful explanation. But it's his values, it's his principles being lived out among the people. Mm-hmm. Trevor, what, how would you explain a, the kingdom? Yeah, uh, we actually had this line in the sermon that I thought was really helpful: that the kingdom of God is any realm where God's will is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kingdom of God is any realm where God's will is done, and that'll. Um, you know, part of what the Bible gives us is the story of reality from creation to fall to Israel to, um, you know, Jesus's life, death, resurrection to the, the current age uh, of the church that we find ourselves in now. And then really the consummation when heaven meets earth and the kingdom is a theme that looks different at different stages. And so there's kind of a, uh, it, it looks a certain way today. Um, where the kingdom already exists, that Jesus brought it when he came, and we have the opportunity to join it, to live according to it, even, even to build it with our lives. And yet, when he returns, we're awaiting sort of the full establishment of his kingdom over all of reality. 
And that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, because the kingdom is what produces human flourishing, and we can experience that here and now, but the fullness of that um, is definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, I gave out four R's uh, in the message that um, were helpful for me in a kind of three. understanding. No, I had four. Oh, I missed out. You only out. preached three? I preached three, a ruler, a no rule, idea. and a realm. I have no idea what the fourth one is. I just ruined his punch. Oh, it, the fourth one yeah, what's the fourth is one? the rain. Oh, the rain. You so, must have added that. So anywhere that a person is submitting, the king is reigning. Uh, guys, I'm sorry. It's so all it's, Jordan. It's I missed, the, it. Yeah, <laughs> missed it. They don't understand that apparently. <laughs> it's the influence of the king is called the reign of the king. It's, it's, mm. it's the influence. So yeah, we said every kingdom has a ruler, the rule, mm-hmm. right? The law or the uh, decrees of the king. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the realm of the king. So that's the extent to which uh, the power and influence goes the boundaries of the kingdom, so mm-hmm. to speak. And then you have the reign, which is the the impact, the influence of said leadership on the people who are submitting. So ruler, mm-hmm. rule, realm, and reign. That's, that's the way I talk about the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> the four R's of the kingdom. Maybe yeah. That, yeah, that works, right? So so question yeah. uh, for both of you. You got a fifth R? Or? Eric and Adam. <laughs> do you have kingdoms? Do you have a kingdom? I used yes. to. I do. I used to. Well, it's my garage. Everything... My my garage is is the closest thing. So Carissa says, whatever happens in there, that's yours. All right, I'm the ruler. Um, I guess if she said it, maybe it's just, <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not the ruler. Maybe I'm the uh, yeah. the magistrate overseeing a section of land. <laughs> yeah. You know, but basically, I'm the ruler of my garage. Um, what I say goes in there. Everything in its place. Um, a place for everything and everything in its place is very organized. I, w- I recently went from a three car garage to a two car garage. Oh man. Had to turn oh, my man cart in. Um, oh. <laughs> but what else? What I'm just I- happy to have a garage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every, I have, a, I have as much space in there. Not literally. It feels like as much space as my three car cause I'm way more organized. So it's produced oh. this new level of organization oh. in me. There you go. Um, so uh, those are my rules. I have rules for my garage. Um, I sweep it. <laughs> I take. Oh my good, goodness! I, I, not I hate, Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta take care of the garage, man. I don't care about my garage that much. And it's an extension of you. A, uh, a well, a well swept garage is a satisfying thing. I, my, my friend, okay. my friend used to tell me you can learn a lot about a man by his yard, and I've added you can learn a lot about a man by his garage. And mm. I've added you can learn a lot about a man <laughs> by his basement. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's what mine represents. I thought you were going to yeah. insult me. You know what I really think? You can learn a lot about a man by... No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then uh, and then you have the, the realm. This is how big my garage is. Two car, you know, it's 20 by 30 or whatever whatever it is. Um, and then uh, and then my reign. So when my kids step into the garage and operate the way I want them to, which does not happen often, um, it could be said that, that I'm reigning. It's the extent of my influence. So those are my four R's. I wrap my garage. You have a basement Love for it. that. I have a basement, yeah. Trevor, you have a bookcase for that. I have, I have a table, a uh, desk. <laughs> yeah, but you have I got a desk. desk. Yeah, got a desk in corner of our all right corner of our bedroom. It's like twelve square feet. That is now my domain. dominion. Ooh. Your dominion. Your yeah. domain. Yeah, domain is just a synonym for realm. I mean, what? Yeah, because that gets said a lot. Dom- dominion. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like boundaries a little bit. Like the domain has a has a mm-hmm. you know there's some yeah parameters around yep. it. Yep, it's, it's my a, realm. So God's domain, he's the maker of all things, is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet in this period in history, he gives humanity the opportunity to either join the kingdom or to not. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. the now and not yet piece is that someday mm-hmm. he will physically reign on a new heaven and earth, which is not two separate places, but a new all things. That's how I mm-hmm. um, understand the expression heavens and earth or heaven and earth. It's not 
two separate uh, locales. It's it's a what's called a merism. It's a, it's an expression for all things. You know, when mm-hmm. you say you looked high yeah. and low for your keys, it's an expression of I looked everywhere. So the new heaven and earth is not two new places. Mm-hmm. It's a renewed all things. All things, yep. yeah. And that's where he'll he'll physically reign from heaven to earth. Yeah, yeah it's, like, all, it's yes, exactly. Yeah. It's all things. Yep. I've got actually just a question on this that maybe a listener's thinking of. So we're talking about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Matthew's recording basically about Jesus. Uh, chapter three, we see that John is talking about the kingdom is near. He's ushering in, basically preparing the way for Jesus. Um, so yeah, put in civil terms, what is Jesus being here on earth, his ministry? What does that have to do with the kingdom? Mm. Like, why is John saying, Hey, prepare the way, you know, the kingdom of heaven is near. Like what, what is, how does Jesus fit into that? That might seem like a dumb question, but honestly, like how do those pieces fit together? Mm. It's a great question. Yeah. Trevor, what do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> well, John is speaking to expectations that his listeners had, um, that they were, again, the long, the long expected king uh, who would come. And at this point, they had been reigned over by other nations for hundreds uh, of years, about 600 years. And so they're awaiting the fulfillment of this promise that God had made to them that a king is going to arise. The only way that can happen is if a king actually reestablishes their, their kingdom, their reign, their freedom and independence from the Roman Empire that they had been living under. And so when John is proclaiming that the, you know, the kingdom is coming, repent, they're expecting this to take place. And yet what we see throughout, um, you know, throughout Matthew's account of Jesus's life, death and resurrection is teaching about the kingdom is that Jesus came and uh, brought the kingdom here initially and the fullness of the kingdom awaits. And it's not just for Israel, it's for all of humanity Mm. and, um, so there's a little bit of uh, some nuancing and some unpacking that takes place. But when John says that, that's their expectation. And, it, and, and the thing that was so important to remember is that this kingdom was unlike the kingdom they expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the kingdom like? He needed to teach that because they had got it wrong. Yeah, that, that Israel right. and that kingdom was to be a picture of the bigger and fuller kingdom for the entire world. Mm-hmm. And they had lost sight of that. And so when John the Baptist announces this, when he sends out, when Jesus sends out the disciples to preach the kingdom, it was, now that you know what it's actually like, go and build it. And Mm. I don't know if we could have fully understood what it was actually like without Jesus, the King, the Messiah, Mm -hmm. telling us. And second of all, we would not be people who could even build the kingdom if it weren't for salvation. I I think that's the other piece of Mm -hmm. it too, is that we need to be changed from the inside out to be people citizens of the kingdom who could then build it. Um, It would be like trying to do a project where people completely are unable to do it. And and that's where you need to have the life of the king imparted to you so you can live out life in the kingdom of the king. Mm. And I think that's a really important piece to all of it is we need to be transformed from the inside out to be people who can actually build the kingdom. That's cool. Yeah, because otherwise you're doing all these good things to be a good person. You're building this so that you look good. You know, it all gets spoiled all over again. Mm -hmm. So Israel was able to carry this out. They lack the transformation from the inside out. And so their kingdom building, as much as they tried, the Old Testament is a picture of how it failed and how it was broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the kingdom. So with all that in mind, uh, Matthew 13 now. 
Yeah, yeah. We need to move on to the soils, otherwise we're never going to get through this episode. <laughs> so yeah, we can go quick. We can go quick. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the let's talk about the the different soils that we see. And, and I think we can go quick because we did cover this Sunday. The thing that's important to Matthew thirteen that we didn't cover Sunday is this wonderful use of Isaiah, yeah, as yep. supporting material mm-hmm. uh, for. It's sort of the sandwich. It's sort of the meat inside the inside the buns, if you will. That sounded <laughs> sure. That sounded really weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, of the the parable taught, the parable explained. So, um, Adam, why don't you why don't you read it? You know what's funny? I don't even have it up in front of oh, me. Oh, I have it. You guys have Bibles in front of yeah, you. Yeah, I got You guys are good pastors. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat on it. And while the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables. And, of course, he's expecting that the crowds are... Uh, one of the so everybody in the crowd was already one of these soils mm-hmm. yeah and some of them were coming to him for the right reasons and some of them were coming to him for the wrong reasons and some of them were going to follow him for a long time and some would follow him for a short time and some wouldn't follow him at all so this is this is what's leading him to to teach on this um a farmer uh went out to sow his seed so he told him many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed some fell along the path the birds came and ate it up Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Then the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So those are the four... Those are the four types of soils. You got the uh, the path, which is no soil at all. You mm-hmm. got the rocky soil, which um, was shallow soil. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it led to quick growth, but not a lot of depth. You had the weeds in the soil, which would choke out healthy growth. And then you had good soil that would lead to uh, a harvest, lead to a lot of fruit, a great return mm-hmm. on that investment. So that's the story itself. It's a type of soils. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And so... Um, the disciples say, hey, why do, you, why do you teach like this? Why do you speak to the people in parables? And here's his explanation of conceal and reveal. All right, here's how it goes in the words of Jesus. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. That sounds a little exclusive <laughs> when I read mm-hmm. that. It's like Jesus is like, ah, uh, you get to know, but you don't get to know. Right. Which isn't exactly what's happening here. Um, but there are people who know and those who don't. But that's not because Jesus is trying to keep people in the dark. It's because people who are not interested will keep themselves in the dark. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And I think we've kind of touched on that already. Yep. Um, so it's not they want to understand, and Jesus doesn't want them to. Mm-hmm. It's that they actually don't want to understand. That's yeah. kind of what's what's being um, talked about here. Yep. But it does read a little, a little goofy to our ears. Whoever has will be given more. Oh, this reads tricky too. Whoever has mm-hmm. will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever not, does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. Um, not about money, not about blessing, but it's about if you are eager to understand mm-hmm. uh, truth, if you are eager to embrace wisdom, that will probably grow. And if you're not, you will probably lose that which you have. And this is true with the push-ups I used to do. I used to do push-ups, and uh, I didn't continue to do push-ups, and I lost any ability to do push-ups that I once had. It's yep. called being out of shape. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's actually happening with my running right now, too. <laughs> um, pretty out of shape. And so you lose it. Use it or lose it. Yep. And um, that's kind of what we see here. Well, here's the way that I explained it. I'm not sure if this is exactly the best, but hear me out on this. What I, what I think is a way of saying this is that Jesus was being a good steward 
of the the mysteries of the kingdom. And so for those who did want to know and uh, those who, you know, you know, have will be given more, it, it's almost like an idea of stewardship. So yeah, if you don't want to know why, why you're not going to know, like it's not, not, not useful. Yeah, totally. And you, there's a word in the text, it's the word mystery. And, um, whenever we read that, you know, we think of a whodunit, we think of a TV show, a genre. Clue. Yeah, exactly. Um, in Greek, mysterion is something once unknown, now revealed so as to be known. Mm. And that's exactly what this is. The king, the, this type of kingdom is not fully known. Mm. Until Jesus announced it. Yeah. So it's a mystery in the sense that people didn't know, but now they do. And, um, or they're about to, because he's going to announce it. And so I think that's important too. Jesus isn't trying to keep people in the dark, keep people, you know, with <laughs> past secrets around. Yeah. It's not the secrets yeah. of it. It's these important things that are oh so valuable that mm-hmm. have not been embraced or known by everybody I'm about to announce. And that's mm-hmm. why I said on Sunday, you know, secrets it may not be the best word translated in verse 11. In fact, there are other translations that just translate to mysteries because secrets does kind of sound like it. It sounds like Jesus is using like cups on the table and like yeah. shifting them around. It's like, uh, yeah, there are things that are unknown and mm-hmm. people have been seeking it for a long time. Israel has been seeking these mysteries for a long time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then here comes the Isaiah quote. This is why I speak to them in parables. And so he basically is saying what Isaiah said about you all or your people or your, you know, your parents or their and their parents what mm-hmm. isaiah announced a few hundred years ago um well more than that how many years between isaiah's announcement and oh, the first century yeah Trevor? probably six seven hundred years yeah yeah um is being fulfilled here mm-hmm. you know what i mean what he said about the way this culture is headed yeah is fully here now mm-hmm. and what is that well those seeing they do not see though hearing they do not hear or understand it's like you've you've heard this your whole life but because you didn't actually want to hear it you don't you can't hear it you're not actually getting it. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused, like the path, right? This mm-hmm. hard-heartedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Mm-hmm. He's not saying he's not saying he doesn't want to heal them. He's just saying if they were to turn to me and listen, they would find healing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that's kind of what that this is after. So that's from Isaiah yeah. six. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. They longed for the day where the king would be in front of them, yep. literally yep. on the boat, in front of them. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And so he explains it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, once again, they're not thinking, man, this is so tricky. I need some more explanation. It's a, they don't want to understand it mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not a head problem. It's a heart problem, so to speak. That's great. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Um. So yeah, Jesus believed in the evil one or the devil or the Satan, whatever word you want to use to describe how that being operates, Mm -hmm. but really snatches it away. You know, people thinking, man, is he really like coming in and plucking what came into my ears? It's, it's far more of a, you will believe lies, not truth type of type of scenario. Sure. Um, this is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. So they binge to use just a modern day way of describing this from the yep. sermon. Yep. Bingeanity or binge watching applied to Christianity is like a modern day parable 
of this parable, so to yeah. speak. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, there you go. Um, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. They they live it out. They they obey it. You know, it's an understanding with action, which the lack of understanding includes a lack of action. You know, you got to yeah. say it's understanding that leads to obedience above. It's a lack of understanding represented in disobedience. I'm yeah. not going to act on the word. Yeah. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown, which would have been an amazing crop, by the way. Yeah, I mean, right. That is a great, exactly. That is a great investment. Trevor, when we were preparing for this, you had a great insight um, as we kind of turned to application and turned to wrap up about these soils in that um, every person is going to experience some of the same stuff. The question is, where are the roots, right? Yeah. How did you describe that? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. Um, part of it was that it just seems like when you read through Jesus' explanation of the parable, he gives a lot more detail as to uh, the, the first three soils that don't produce uh, than he does with the soil that does produce, the, the good soil. And I think, <clears throat> I think what he's trying to get at there, or at least what's available there, is through contrast, you can see that the good soil, it's not that it just has better circumstances. It's not that they don't experience the same things, that there's doubt, that there's um, you know lack of understanding in some instances, that there is difficulties that they experience, that the deceitfulness of wealth isn't something that they at times feel um, you know frustrated by. I think they go through the same experiences. It's just that they respond to them in a manner that's fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. And it's with an active trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so rather than using doubt as an excuse to dismiss Jesus, they allow doubt to lead them on a journey to truth, mm-hmm. which produces a greater trust in Jesus. Yep. Um, with the difficulties, rather than you know binging on Jesus in the hopes that you know if I do all these things, he'll take away the difficulties, he'll fix the broken things in my life. Um, the, the trust is more in alignment with what Jesus actually invites us to trust him with not that he'll remove every broken thing from our life but that he'll be with us in the midst of the brokenness yeah that he sustains us that he even allows us to experience joy and peace even in the midst of the aches and pains of life yeah um and then lastly i think when it comes to you know the worries of this life and uh the deceitfulness of wealth. I think, I think the worries of this life can have to do with, um, you know, sometimes trusting Jesus, especially in our context here, people lose friendships, they lose relationships. Sometimes they're even sort of like estranged from family because of that decision. And I think that plays into it. I think at times it can be wanting to have a certain life and not being able to attain it financially and being so frustrated by that and, and living in really this place where you're believing the lie that if I had more money, I could have the life I wanted, and then I would have joy, then I'd have peace. Mm-hmm. And living in that place, that's really believing the deceitfulness of wealth, which produces so much frustration. And instead of those things, trusting the good soil trusts Jesus, right? That he loves us so much that he has resources and power beyond compare. And if those things are true, then the life that he's given to us, he's given us uh, with intentionality, with specificity, and for our good. Mm-hmm. So rather than living in perpetual frustration over what we don't have, uh, we can live with thankfulness and gratitude for the life he has given us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that explanation. So the whole point of the of the parable is to bring us to a point where we say, well, which soil am I? And then it's to lead us to say, well, I want to be some good soil. So how do mm-hmm. we cultivate good soil in our lives? How do we become good soil? What do we do with this now? Um, guys, what are some ways that we really till up the soil of our own lives so that God's word can set in so that um, our obedience in him can grow deep roots 
so that we can produce this crop of 160 mm-hmm. or 30 times what we expected a life of incredible influence and impact that that uh, we didn't see coming. Yeah. So how do we how do we do that? Yeah, one that comes to mind that we had in our notes for Sunday that I thought was just great was the comparison between religion and the gospel. So a lot of times I think we can get hung up and maybe are more comfortable with religion, which says I need to try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder. And uh, man, that's not that's not good for tilling up the soil. Uh, yeah. But seen better is what the gospel asks us to do. And that asks us to be in awe of who God is mm-hmm. and to understand the gift of grace that he's given us in light of who we are and the sinfulness that we have. So that's, that's one, you know, just right mm-hmm. off the top. Yeah, totally. We till up the soil when we put ourselves in places and spaces where we can see him better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that, so showing up on Sunday is part of being good soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you show up at church, you are going to be seeing him better um, through the people that are there, through the preaching, through the yeah. singing, all of that type of stuff helps you see. Yeah. Um, that's one way we have classes to help see. And, mm-hmm. you know, we did, we did highlight, um, at least I highlighted some spiritual disciplines that can help us see because what you have with the, with the weedy soil is that the weeds are choking out mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. and, and spiritual disciplines are a way of setting those aside, putting yourself in environments where the weeds can't, come and impact because for whatever reason you're disciplining yourself to yeah i mean go weed weed your life i guess you could yep, say yep. um so any thoughts there on spiritual disciplines or how to remove those weeds so they don't choke out what's going on i i had one i'm not sure what you put for that section trevor but like i, I don't know if this is a necessarily a spiritual discipline but hear me out in this two-part thing one is with those weeds i call them other gods that you're trying to please uh, practice say no mm-hmm. to them. Say no to the wrong things so you can say yes to the right things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that good. and that might be occupying your time with things that are good. Um, so mm-hmm. for saying, I'm going to say yes to this good thing, so I have to say no to this other thing. So that might be serving on a team where I'm investing my time into loving others and loving God more. So when I've said yes to that, I kind of have to say no <laughs> to maybe some of these other things. Right, right. I'm not right. sure that's a spiritual discipline per se, but it is a good practice to do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, because that one calls out even the deceitfulness of wealth, I think I think giving is really one important spiritual discipline because it, uh, same thing that you're saying, Adam, it kind of chokes out the, it chokes out the parts of you that want to believe the lie. Uh-huh. Um, and instead, it, it helps you to really practice gratitude for what you do have and even use your, your money in a way, you make your money serve God in that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, it's a yeah. it's a servant to you. You're not a servant for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about a unique one. I talked about fasting um, mm. because when you fast, you're really going without the thing that could choke out the mm-hmm. health uh, in your relationship with Jesus. And so, whatever that fasting might be, when you're saying I don't need this right now, you're saying you're you're literally pruning the weed or pulling the weed out of your life. And so, mm-hmm. or that social media choking out your time with Jesus, is so you're going to go without that, or even mm-hmm. even food or um, whatever you might go without from. It's a way to say, hey, purposely, I'm telling myself I don't need this. I don't need this right now, and it's yes. and, and it can till up the soil. And it can be valuable. That's good. And of course, there are wrong ways to fast. There are legalistic ways to go about this. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in the healthiest sense. Mm-hmm. Fasting is going without to prevent it from choking out um, the fruit in your life mm-hmm. and your focus on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that was one that, that we talked about. So that's it. We want to be good soil, guys. Yeah, so we want to put right. ourselves in places where we see Jesus for who he is. Mm-hmm. And then that can begin to till up the soil. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, man, we filled up quite the, the podcast episode. So we'll have to 
go ahead and sign off, but we're so glad that you spent this time with us. And uh, we'll be back next week for week two. We'll, throughout the series of The Kingdom is Like, we will have episodes for you. So Trevor, Eric, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Listeners, thank you for spending time with us. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.